Hey, Joe, they took down our music again, so you need to sing the intro. All right, there we go. Intro done. Boom. Hey, everybody, welcome to... That was really good. You were... I feel like you knew what I was going to ask you. Welcome I had no idea. I was just like, I'm ready to do whatever you're about to tell me to do. I was just bought in. They keep taking down the music on YouTube, even though I've paid for it, and it's like... I dispute it, and they're like, oh, yeah, you're right. You own the rights to it. But then it's like 72 hours later after, like, all of the downloads have happened, and it's worth it. Stupid. So we're just, Perfect we're, system. Perfect you know, system. It's yeah, great. Right. <laughs> great for small creators. Um, but, hey, everybody, welcome to episode 68 of Tactical Crouch. Of course, Yiska and Volumel with myself, Kick Tripod. But we've got a special guest on the show today, uh, GM of the Florida Mayhem. Looking good in that Vice City color scheme. Uh, a little bit of a, a, a rebrand this week, but it is none other than Albert. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, guys. Happy to be here. I see that Thanks you uh, you finished decorating the room that you're in. Yeah, my office. <laughs> um, yeah, pretty Spartan. Just Mi- you know. Minimalist vibes. Yeah. I pr- appreciate it. It's, uh, it's, 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 a, this, this is a place of business, okay? Yeah, true. Right? Exactly. No fun allowed, yeah. No fun. <laughs> Yiska has just this weird plan, so that's a lamp in the back. Maybe he yeah. can send you that. Apparently, that's, that's interior decorating. You need to now. water that one. <laughs> Don't do it. Uh, we, we do have a packed show for you, so um, we're going to probably dive right into it before we do a few housekeeping things. Uh, first and foremost, uh, big thanks to our patron producers, Battle Crab, Maid, Pin, Lulshin, and Charlie L for supporting the show. We love you guys. If you like the show and want to support, go to patreon.com slash tactical crouch and support there or sub right here at twitch.tv slash kick tripod. Another great way to support the show. Otherwise, just go to the internet and type in tactical crouch. If you don't know where to find it, where to follow us, we're everywhere at that. That's it. Let's uh, jump into things. And the first thing is, is that the uh, Florida Mayhem Winter Classic happened over the weekend. And uh, that was pretty cool. We got to see some really great Tier 2, Tier 3 collegiate teams uh, go head-to-head. And um, I got to watch the first day pretty extensively, and I didn't get to watch the rest. Uh, But, yeah, I wanted to kind of ask you, like, uh, were you at all involved in, in the winter classic at all? Or is this something just kind of going on with the, the, the mayhem crew while you focus on 2020? Um, personally, I was involved in the execution that was all on Brandon for setting that all up, but I did help him with like brainstorming the format, um, like who we should be inviting. Um, cause it, it is something that I wanted to do last year or mm-hmm. was it last mm-hmm. year. Yeah. Well, last year. Um, but I think, you know, what are issues with the league and like how many online there's a debate or an issue with if we can have like an online tournament. Um, cause I think it was just last year was restricted to like in market, like had to be in mm. Florida. Uh, um, whereas now it's like opened up, which is why we're able to have an online tournament. That's, you know, mayhem classic instead of someone personal. Like I think Jane did a bunch of tournaments, but it was under Jane's name. So it's different story, um, different rules. Um, but yeah, happy that's open now. Um, and I was happy to assist in like the brainstorming of, like helped a little bit on the logo. Um, but yeah, I can't take credit for the execution that was on Brandon um, for, you know, putting it all together. So big props to Brandon for that. Did you get your watch any of the games? 
yeah, I watched most of the games actually, except for the finals. Um, didn't get to watch that, but all the other games. Um, so yeah, I saw most of the the top three teams. So yeah, Revival, um, Third Impact, uh, Sky Fox. Saw saw a lot of those games. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I saw the one old man strength game. Um, but yeah, watch watch most of the cast. How how close are those guys to the actual meta that eventually will be run? If you can't say as much. Uh, I mean, it was a lot I, of trolling. I, to be I fair. haven't seen Soldier in <laughs> I don't know how long, and who? I saw way too much Soldier. <laughs> I, sorry, who? Yeah. Sorry, who? <laughs> Does that hero yeah. exist? Yeah, he exists apparently, and so yeah, they're playing like Anna Soldier Tracer. Our third impact really? was um, and getting away with it for a little bit. Um, so yeah, okay. some interesting comps. Uh, I think it's yeah too early to say. Um, I think even Owl teams were still yeah. approach figuring things out, and I don't know if this BAP change is gonna come before right the season starts. It might, it might not. Um, so we'll see. Lots of things to still work through. Um, and yeah, we haven't scrimmed our our guys are still in Korea right now, so we haven't scrimmed the a lot of the teams that are in NA that haven't mm-hmm. that didn't go boot camp in Korea. Um, so I can't really say, you know, I I don't I don't feel comfortable being like, hey, this is the meta, like this is what's gonna mm-hmm. happen, like sure. that's that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's definitely not soldier. That's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just because of the new ugly sweater skin, probably. <laughs> yeah, you can play it now, and so you get that ugly sweater skin in. Uh, so what about? I mean, you said that this is something that you've been wanting to do for a long time. Why? Like, what's what's the importance of doing some sort of tournament that includes teams like this? I mean, that's my roots, right? Uh, I competed in tier three for a very long time. Um, we were top at tier three at different points in my career. Um, I just never made it to tier two, and I think you know now that I'm retired and I'm you know in a management role, I think it's my job to. I want to provide as many chances for people that have been grinding tier three to, you know, make it to tier two or people grinding tier two to get looks at from, you know, tier one. I think that's very important for the ecosystem. Um, you know, and I think it's just me doing my part. I, you know, I know how hard it is to be a tier three player. Um, it's still, it's still hard. Uh, you can't sell your like contender slot anymore. If you get it, you can't, um, you know, not many teams supporting that and you're still playing for blizz bucks. Um, as of last year, so you know it's tough. It's tough going for tier three for sure. Um, so you know anything I can do for my position to help out, um, definitely happy to. Do you think that that's a a really important part of like that that tier three part is just getting the eyes? Like there was you know well over a thousand people watching. I would say most yeah. of it is just when you have over a thousand people plus watching uh, these players. Do you think that that um, invigorates that tier three, uh, that, that tier three scene kind of helps, um, put the right eyes on it to hopefully, you know, get into like those kind of borderline contenders trials, trials or contenders teams. Um, I, I don't think as much as the viewership as it is just providing a competitive environment where people are, there's something to play for, um, and to get them experience. Uh, Cause there's really not that many tier three tournaments. When I was playing, we had like Academy weeklies. You know, we're playing for like 200 bucks a week mm-hmm. and that's like 200 bucks divided by six. You know, that's like, that's enough for like a meal. That's, that's barely <laughs> you know? my DoorDash like fees. It's a lunch order yeah, somewhere. Yeah, that's my DoorDash yeah. fees. Yeah. So, so, so yeah, just like that kind of, just getting them more exposure, getting them more, yeah. So like eyeballs, but like most importantly, providing a competitive environment where they can test their skills against, you know, people that are actually trying 
um, and not just trolling, because I think a lot of AG weeklies were just like, hey, let's just have this random like pro pug come in and, you know, see what's going on. So I wanted to, so like Breakable Bears, I think it, our tournament was different from Breakable Bears on purpose. Like it wasn't just pug teams, even though there were a lot of like teams that hadn't figured out their roster yet, or they're still in trial. So they had fielded a certain roster that probably isn't, doesn't reflect what their actual roster is going to be in open division or uh, contenders next year. Um, but overall, I think it's um, it's important to like give give these players some publicity. A, a lot of them have been grinding for a while. Like I learned some new names that I haven't seen before. Um, saw you know also saw some old names that are still playing from when mm-hmm. I played. Um, so yeah, like a lot of the old man strength players, I'm not familiar with. Um, yeah, I think it's you know I think it's important to get eyeballs on people and give them. I want to say hope, but give them. Uh, but yeah, basically give them hope something that something to do. Know, they're, right, right. Something to play for, something to look forward yeah. to. Um, yeah. Path to pro. That's yeah, I mean, part that, of it. That's, part that's, of that's it. a part of the path to pro, right? Is right. you know, getting in those competitive environments, getting those competitive reps in and saying, Yeah, I did compete in tournaments that were more than just uh yeah. you know, open division and of course I got seated against, you know, a number one team in my second round and we were done and I didn't even pay for my WoW subscription that month. <laughs> and you know, yeah. like yeah. So I think that's great. That's awesome. Um, something that uh, we really wanted to talk to you about is uh, just kind of your background in general. And you, when we were preparing for the show, you <laughs> brought up some really interesting uh, uh, points about just kind of your background overall. Um, yeah. you're you're coming in as the GM now this year of the Florida Mayhem, but you have not always been the GM of the Florida Mayhem. And that is uh, correct. That, that's, yeah, maybe an understatement. You've been with the Florida Mayhem, uh, like Misfits organization, since like April of 2018, right? So you've actually been with the team for a long time. Uh, tell us a little bit more, even before Mayhem, take us, paint us a word picture, if you will. Sure about kind of your experience of how you got into this this GM role from somebody who you know you said you started and were playing as like a, a tier three player. Yeah, so it's a long story. Um but I'll try to keep it as short as possible, as concise as possible. Uh so yeah, started as a player, um captain a bunch of teams, uh scouted a bunch of players, made a bunch of teams, made I think the last serious team before I retired and you know i don't count smc as like a serious team even though we did win open division that was that was a fun run um (laughs) (laughs) not scrimming once uh but yeah so it was uh rockets is what we were called um rockets esports and we had myself ponzor uh red star or sorry at that the end of the roster was enlair who played for atlanta rain we had stratus dc um myself progy Yiska probably knows Progi, German. Yep, yeah, yeah. German guy. Yeah. Um, he was our main tank. I was the off tank. Uh, and then Flex Support was Zergling. But yeah, so pretty we graduated a significant number of players for, you know, being yeah. tier three. Um, yeah, Progi's now was head coach of Germany. Um, not sure what he's I haven't kept up with him recently. I'm not sure what he's doing now, but yeah, and Lair and Stratus um both had Al careers and Stratus still, you know, is still an Al to this day. Um, and Ponzer had 
was on GGEA for a while um, on the Outlaws Academy. Yeah, so that was my team um, after we broke up because uh, they got Academy offers. And you know, at the time, I was 25. I'm 27 now. So at 25, you know, it's like not many Academy nope. teams are going to want a 25-year-old. Nope. <laughs> um, you know, there's already one cool man in the league. So, you know, yeah. there's no more room yeah. for old men like me. Uh, so I chose to hang it up. Oh, actually... Immediately after, I tried to do it again, and then I saw the talent left, and I was like, I can't do this. Like, <laughs> I went from like top tier three, and now it's like I'm trying out for some like random teams, and yeah, I just hated my experience there. I just so. tried out for my plat team at one point. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> you did it, no. Um, and then yeah, so at that point, um, I, Jamie was also a former Prestige Worldwide. Um, so I, he used to be an old teammate of mine. Um, we're still good friends to this day. Uh, he was at NRG, not quite as high as where he is now, um, but I think he was an account manager at the time. But I talked to him. He was like, "Oh yeah, like we're you know our contenders team. Uh, they're building their first contenders team, uh, first iteration of NRG." Mm-hmm. Um, and then I asked him, "Hey, can I help out? Like I'll bring in Chu um, to work with you guys, work with me, and then help build you guys the best team." Um, that you can. Uh, and so yeah, that was my first experience um, with managing, uh, building teams uh, was energy. Um, very grateful for that opportunity. Um, we built a decent team. I think a lot of them. I mean, I think for any contenders team, I think the true measure of is not the results. It's more of how many players get moved up to Al. Yeah. Um, I think that's the best metric to judge. You know how successful a team was and. In terms of that, energy was very successful. Um, I think arguably the most successful. One yeah. of yeah, four Marine. like four out of six of the players yeah. went on to L. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And then they continued to you know after I left. So I so like that original roster was Swan, AK Butcher, um, Rob Dab, Rob Four Twenty. They made him change his name. That was pretty yeah. funny. Um, <laughs> he hasn't changed it back though. He's not in contenders anymore. I keep telling Rob he needs to change it back to Four Twenty. Everyone loved that. Um, yeah, uh, Fazix too played on DC Stratus. Uh, I Rascal was after me. Um, I, I wasn't part of the Rascal thing, but Damon, uh, who went to Shanghai season one. Um, am I missing anyone? Oh, Smex, who's now in Paris. Um, but yeah. roundabout way, he didn't go straight from Energy to Paris. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, tons of players from that team made it to L. Um, so yeah, very successful roster in terms of that. Um, I helped, you know, I advised. I I was also consulting kind of like i was in talks with uh like shock about you know who they should pick up when they're struggling season one um so yeah i recommended architect Troy Bin, um and moth as well because i i've had a lot of experience playing against moth this was back when moth was tier three if you guys can mm. imagine that he's literally i'd say he's top two maybe top one like maybe the best main support in the league right now yeah. Yeah. um but yeah at the time he was he was grinding. He was playing for Toronto esports. Um, yeah. So yeah, and for I a collegiate against... team, I think as well, right? Yeah, I think the collegiate playing. was more of a. I think collegiate likes to claim <clears throat> that like Moth came from collegiate, but to me, <laughs> that's not that's not that's not how the story yeah, goes. He no. was he was grinding tier three for a long time um, uh, against me um, for most of it. Wish I wish I got to play with Moth, but I did. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so like that's kind of the energy shock time, and then. I applied for analyst position for the Mayhem um, off Facebook. I can't remember the last time I used Facebook, but maybe it was that. Really? There you go. That's insane. Tier one pro tip for those trying to get into the scene, Facebook jobs. Yeah. There you go. And, th- 
and that was completely cold. I had nobody, no contacts, no connects in Mayhem. Um, so yeah, only thing was my player experience and you know energy. I coached a brief bit after for a few weeks, maybe a month. Um, yeah, I coached with 9K actually. That's important. 9K is one of the best coaches I've ever worked with. Probably one of the best coaches in the world for sure. Um, so I, I worked with him on energy, uh, and you know I was like, hey, you guys got to pick up this guy, make him the head coach of your academy team, and he did that, and then got promoted real quick. Um, but yeah, it, great guy. I love 9K. Um, he reminds me of Bill Belichick. I always tell him that when I see him, because he always has a hoodie on. Um, he just no matter what, he's always has his hood up, wearing a sweater. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it reminds me of <laughs> reminds me of Bill Belichick. It's 104 a lot. degrees, man. No, he was in Korea. So I was in Korea, and he was wearing his hoodie like indoors. It's like 80 degrees Fahrenheit. I don't know Celsius, but yeah, to me, I, it had to be about 80 inside um, the arena. He was wearing his hoodie, hood up, um, looking like Bill Belichick. So, <laughs> A man of so yeah, so yeah. Anyways, but yeah, back on track. Went to uh, got the got the job at Mayhem. Um, interviewed a bunch. Um, they liked me. Brought me on as an analyst, which was, I guess, I took a step down to take a leap forward essentially because mm-hmm. I was assistant coach on NRG. Then I became an analyst um for Mayhem and that was after the signing window. Um so yeah, so like did analyst, then I got promoted I think like four times now to hit GM. Um and we can kind of go in depth on those as we go about the show. But yeah, so analyst to GM two years. Yeah. It's a grind. Yeah. That's a grind. I think I, I would I would maybe be putting words in the mouth, but I think that that's kind of like how if you're in like the Overwatch League office and you're talking about how you want people to progress through the system, not saying that all the instability around it and I'm sure you were making cash money in tier three. <laughs> I'm sure that, that was totally a thing and you were totally living yeah. off of that and super comfortable, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, the the actual progression of when you succeed and you, you yeah. there are paths and you found ways to make it, you know, kind of step by step I, up and through. I will say I'm very fortunate in the path that I took just because I've always like throughout my tier three time as a player, I always had a full time job that I was holding down on top of scrimming. Well, it used to be six hours a day. It used to be like I'd work nine to five, come home, like rush home, take me 30 minutes to get home, 530 to six, like make something real quick or buy something, eat dinner, then scrim six to 12 Eastern, like every day. That was, that was so tough. So I got to the point where it's like, I put in all this time, didn't see like the fruits of my labor. Um, Cause I was getting old as well um, for esports. Uh, obviously, tw- you know, 25 is not old anywhere else. <laughs> right. But yeah, for esports, it's fairly old, um, especially if you're not already at like the tier two academy level. Mm. Um, so yeah, it just came, I had, I have no debt and I could take a pay cut from, I was working, I was living in Manhattan. I took a huge pay cut to, you know, chase my dream. Um, so yeah, I would say I'm very fortunate. I think a lot of people probably aren't in a very similar situation, sure. I guess, financial, at least financially. Um, but yeah, I was very fortunate in that I've been able to hold down like a full-time job while pursuing my passion, my hobby, and eventually turn my hobby into uh, a yeah, full-time job. You made it count. So yeah. You made it count. So big congrats yes. on that. You're here at the GM level, Overwatch League, but we do need to talk about the Florida Mayhem. And uh, yes. we, we told you ahead of time we're not going to pull punches on this. Please don't. And, Punch uh, me right in the face. All right. 
come come closer. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so, so it's pretty safe to say that the first two seasons haven't quite gone the way I think anyone in the the Mayhem organization uh, kind of have wished that it would have gone. You have 15 former players and only one still playing in Overwatch League currently. You have mm-hmm. 10 former coaches, scouts, slash GMs, so people in the organization level, right? which is uh, pretty high overall. There's a few other um, actually orgs that actually have quite a bit of organizational turnaround as well. Mm-hmm. You're a second-to-last finish at 7-33 and 33 in 2018, a last-placed finish last year at 6-22 and 22 in 2019, and the Florida Mayhem, uh, you've got a pretty big hole to dig out of in 2020. There's, um, there's, I think a lot of people who immediately and, and skeptically like Joe, uh, who will immediately put you in the bottom five because of what we've seen from the first two years, right? You've been with the league j- about just, or with the organization just about as long as anybody. Um, so before we even talk about how we're fixing things in 2020, what have been the major obstacles in defining and fielding a team that can reasonably compete in the Overwatch League over these first two seasons? Because so far, we haven't quite gotten to see that mayhem team that's fighting for play-ins or in playoffs. Uh, it, instead, it's a team that has you know really really struggled to put something together through multiple iterations. Yeah, um, definitely fair question. I'm happy to address it. So let's just start kind of chronologically, like season one. Mm-hmm. Um, I already said I wasn't there um, until after the signing deadline, so I had no, you know, also I was an analyst, so I didn't have any input on who they chose to pick up um, and what the roster looked like heading into uh, season one. Um, I will say now it's it's been, you know, two years, so they were, Misfits at one point was working towards a 12-man roster mm-hmm. with Misfits and Giganti, if you guys remember that roster. Yeah. Um, so that would have been. Okay. We'll never know. We'll never know how that might have looked. Yeah. Um, but when I heard that, I was like, "Wow!" Like that, you know, that would have been pretty. That would have been pretty awesome roster to see. Um, in action, like a full European team. Um, yeah. with the two top contenders team at the time. Um, but yeah. Besides that, I don't have any additional insight on the roster building. I just know, um, that fell through. Giganti, the team got split up and went. Um to different teams uh yeah so never happened hmm. but what if you know one of the great yeah. what ifs of you that know. nobody knows about joe yeah. does alternate overwatch history so i can't wait to that see was that, that it's funny it's funny you mentioned that that was actually one of the i i try to outsource and and you know do content that people want to see and that was one yeah. of them it was like what if florida picked up you know giganti what if what if they were a mixed team that's 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 pretty interesting yeah. I'm, I'm excited that's it it shows that there was there was an attempt. Obviously, plans sure. fell through, but could yeah, have been I, a whole lot different. I can't speak to anything sure. else besides that. Um, yeah, obviously, we picked up Saya, and, and uh, you know, we we had to deal with Meta and picked up two players and a coach. Hmm. Um, so yeah, Saya had SNT and and Ryder at the time. But yeah, so I, I arrived after all that. Don't have any additional insight in season one. Um, sure. Season two, uh, I was I started off as an analyst and then got you know promoted a few times um but in the off season at least i was still i was an assistant gm yet um in the off season uh so we did a lot of trials Mm. um i think we valued trials too much and i think we 
we put too much emphasis on trials and we didn't think bigger picture. Um, <laughs> like we, I don't, we should have entertained, like try to go for trades or try to acquire players from um, within the league. Um, I think that's something that we definitely missed out on uh, in the off season heading into season two. Um, so yeah, the, the players that we chose were the players that did the best in our trials. Um, the scope, I think the scope of how we looked at roster building heading to season two was definitely lacking, um, in hindsight, uh, just too much emphasis on trials. We just picked whoever, who went well in trials and then turns out, Hey, look, we have a three, three meta for basically entirety of season two. Um, so yeah. And then mid, you know, mid season two, uh, I pitched, there were multiple plans being pitched to like, you know, how to, after we had that disastrous, like stage one, um, how we could turn around the team in the season. Um, but yeah, we pitched a bunch of plans. Um, uh, another plan was chosen instead of mine. Um, and then, you know, that, that, that's where we are in after season two players didn't get here until stage four, basically. And our season, you know, even even if we had won every single game in stage four, it wouldn't matter. Right. So True. we didn't, yeah. if you can't answer this, don't answer it. But can you tell us a little bit about the, the plan that you had pitched to turn around uh, the mayhem in season two? Um, so after stage one, obviously we brought in McGravy. Um, I was sure. a big, I was a big proponent behind bringing McGravy in. Um, the thing with making mid season changes is if you want to bring in Koreans, and have a competitive impact, they can't be ones that don't already have visas. Because I knew yeah. going in that it was going to take at least two months. Like, optimistically, it would take two months to get them here. And that's not including, like, negotiations, um, like, delays. Uh, like, if someone, if someone's not on top of that visa process, like, an email gets lost, it's a, it easy, you can easily set yourself back, like, weeks um, to a month, you know? Even if, you, if, if you're on top of it. Mm. Um, so I knew like we're at the end of stage one. If we get Korean players, they're not gonna get here till you know optimist, very optimistic like mid stage three. On top of that, those players can be rusty. Um, because what happens when you pick up players from Korean contenders is the Korean contenders team goes, okay, they've been picked up, so it's in their best interest to not play them anymore. They That's sold cool. them. You know, they want to on to the next, right? It's a farm system. They want to bring in new talent. Um, so that was the issue I saw with going full Korean like mid-season. We already have McGravy, like he's clearly a good off tank in Goat's meta. Um, I think he's good off tank in general, but at, you know, for the purposes of framing it, it was Brown McGravy for Goats. He had, if you guys remember his debut, he had a crazy Fantastic debut. debut. Yeah. Um, a perfect map essentially on Nibani. Um, yeah, we had a lot of close games with him, and you know, we were mixed at the time. And I think I wanted to go more mixed. We had a great academy team, so I was building. Mm-hmm. I was in charge of building the academy team at that time. We had great coaching that we could have brought up. Like Curry Shad, I think, is a genius. Yeah. Um, one of the best coaches in the league strategically. No doubt in my mind about that. We could have brought up Curry Shot. We could have, you know, we had Shaqs. Like we had a pretty good academy roster that we could have, you know, brought up with little to no buyout. Um, I mean, sorry, why did I say no little? No, no buyout. Yeah. Oh, we just <laughs> up, um, and plug them in, see how they do. They don't need visas. We already had P1s yeah. for the players that were there because we got we've always gotten p1s for our academy players um mm. which i think a lot of other organizations didn't they just had them playing in you know wherever they happen to be playing so Shaq's had p1 um making sure had a p1 everyone's ready 
to go. We just had to call them up. Um, so yeah, so my pitch was straight gravy. He's Envy. We'd bring in, it'd be a hybrid like Envy, uh, Mayhem Academy type roster. Um, Interesting. I like that a whole lot better. Yeah, Which, yeah. yeah, so basically, not, you know, I don't know how that roster would have done, um, but regardless of how they would have done, the fact is we would have had, we would have probably performed better in stages two and three yep. um, than just not having anyone at all um, and yep. just having to tough it out. And that our, has knock-on effects, right? Like you, you build right. up some momentum, you build up some confidence. Granted, you know it's a it's a kind of a honeymoon roster, but yeah, because yeah. I, I, our, on our, on our one flex DPS was apply, right? And so once we decided to go full Korean, we didn't have a flex DPS anymore. Right. Um, I will say silver lining: BQB expanded his hero pool by an incredible amount because he had to basically play flex DPS while not having played flex DPS before in his life. Um, so never picked up May before, never played May. Um, and he had a pretty good May by the end of it. Um, so, so yeah, silver lining there, but in terms of saving our season two, um, in my mind, once we went that route, we basically cemented our fate as, you know, bottom, bottom. Yeah. Just, this is where you go stone faced and <laughs> you don't react to this. But I remember having a podcast with, uh, your GM at the time, uh, for, uh, watch two. the overture okay. and the, the one thing that stands out to me is I felt like we reached a consensus on that podcast saying like trials almost don't matter results matter and then you meet the player for like a meeting maybe yeah. go out to dinner see that he isn't a lunatic or is actually like what kind yeah. of a person he is and then you say okay that's the relevant thing and then maybe I look a little bit at trials, right? That's yeah. that's the first thing that stands out. That's sort of interesting. Um, and then yeah, pretty much like my concerns uh, I raised there in the in the mid season as well with with the pickups and um, especially the visa delay, which by the way this season of course will be an issue once again more right. even more so. Sure. Um, yeah, that's that's uh, certainly interesting. Just. Don't want to wake, you know, like the the retired. But yeah, that's certainly interesting to, to hear it now from that perspective. Yeah, I mean, I think I think trials is helpful if you say you have a huge, you have a solid core, and you want to try out, like, say, an unproven player. But I think if you know you're fairly certain if they're top of Korea, like our pickups, they're gonna do fine. Yeah. Um, so I think it's more of and plus, like, you're gonna tell. Like players like Spark or Yaki, hey, we need to trial you first before like we make an offer. Like <laughs> they're not, they're gonna be like, I've been trialing. Like you can just see my body of work in contenders, right? Yeah. Like it, nobody would want to do that. Um, so yeah, I think it makes it makes sense for certain players to save like unknowns, X factors. Um, you know, you want a high variance player. You think you know they have a lot of potential. Sure, try them out. But I think it it just it's just different rosters. So I think if you have a tight budget, for sure like trials, you know, you have to do trials. Um but if you have you know enough to get top tier players, um those top tier players aren't going to be trialing anyways, so yeah. Even if you wanted to trial them, most likely you're not going to be able to. Yeah. And then I definitely share the your um your points that your academy team was already yeah. Uh like I, I, arguably they underperformed in their contender season. They showed their potential by being the first in playoffs. One. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. 
to to beat uh, the Fusion, fusion, right? fusion yeah. Uni, yeah, in in like over a year. Yeah, they sent Fusion uh, Uni to Korea, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. buddy, they did. Let's go. Yeah. 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 And slapped then him off them as well, though. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> the killers. Yeah, yeah, and definitely interesting insights. Also, unfortunate that, at least from your standpoint, that so many of them were then instrumental in the in the comeback of the Valiant. Right? Yeah, I mean, very. Yeah, Valance basically the Mayhem refugee camp at this point. Um, <laughs> they, there's so many of our players there. I love yeah. them to death. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I mean, we did get fate out of it. I think you know that was a monstrous trade for us. Yeah. Um, mm, yeah. So yeah, I think both both sides got what they needed. Valiant, you know, were able to almost make a playoff push. Um, they're one game off, right? If I remember correctly, yeah. it's been a long yeah, off season. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So they're one one game off and. You know they were close. They turned around their season. Um, whereas us, you know, fate's a solid piece to build around. Um, so I think benefits for both teams. Um, obviously, Valent more in the short term. Um, but you know, I'm happy with I'm happy with how the trade ended. We found places for. I mean, the most important thing from my point of view as a GM is, um, or just you know as a manager of teams is make sure my players, you know, get to places where that's best for their careers. Um, that's more important to me. Uh, that's like my directive number two from myself um besides you know my obviously my team performance first and then but you know i think close second is keep maintaining relationships having good relationships with the players um because you never know what happens um and i think it's important to mm-hmm. not scuttle people's uh career uh okay. i'm i have an interview right now all good it's all right man uh yeah it's all good so who Joe, is this your question about Zephyr? Yeah, so this is this has been somebody that I've always been interested in because he's kind of just floated around and jumped from team to team, and he's never really shown what it sounds like he does behind the scenes. So I, I wanted to not pick on him, but but talk about him in particular on this roster because last year, obviously, he got some play time. Obviously, didn't look fantastic. Right. Um, was that a strategic thing? Was that, you know, what, what did, what did he bring? Why, why was he necessarily kind of, uh, held on for so long? Could you, could you talk a little bit about Zephyr as a player and as a, as a commodity that kind of isn't really known? And the scrim God, of course. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's his moniker, right? Scrim God. Um, <laughs> yeah. So pretty interesting. Um, I'd say he's, he was for us, at least he was more of a trial God. Uh, okay. cause he popped off and he honestly popped off in trials. When we were running two 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 comps, mm-hmm. um, going into season two, we were trialing two two two, and he was doing really well. Um, but I think, you know, different players have different issues with adapting to new metas. Um, sure. For some, you know, they just can't play a certain meta, and for him, he I don't think he ever fully grasped how to play Diva um, in in Goats. Mm. Uh, so I mean, I I don't think that's a that's a unique to that's a unique problem for zephyr i think a lot of players in the in the league in general had like dps players had trouble picking up zarya you know i just think some some people transitioned well some people didn't um Mm. and you know that's why we brought him a gravy to try to turn that around um so yeah i after after the trials um you know he obviously didn't perform um so we brought in gravy and then after we decided to go full korean we obviously had to use zephyr until gargoyle arrived um 
so yeah, but I think you know, as back to the you know, transition, I think a bunch there were several teams in the league that struggled Definitely. mightily transitioning. Um, like season one, I mean, stage one was a crapshoot, right? It's Spark, <laughs> Spark and Valiant both had zero zero win stages. Um, DC obviously struggled like us until stage four. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think the teams that turned that around, you know, did it with roster changes, or they waited until it was a meta that suited them better. Yep. So this kind of brings up an interesting point because it sounds like season two mayhem would, which you kind of saw, may not have been completely instrumental in, but um, it, it sounds like certain teams didn't necessarily build for the the length of goats, and and you know, I don't know that even Blizzard could have uh, predicted how long that was going to last right. for the umpteen patches they try to throw at it. Um, has that kind of influenced uh, 2020's roster in terms of how you've built it there, where we may have just, you know, sure. seen this watershed moment in roster building where it's like, okay, if we have to play this, this meta for, you know, X amount of months, can we, if there's multiple metas, can we like, has that really influenced uh, 2020? Well, I think it's, I think it's more back to basics now with the two, two, two lock. Um, sure. I think you don't have as high variance in number of heroes a player might be expected to play. Um, I mm -hmm. think prior flex DPS could play, you know, you probably needed to have a Roadhog maybe. Yep. Um, your hit scan probably had to have a Zarya, um, to be successful. One of them had to be willing to play Brig, um, and excel at it and not just, mm -hmm. you know, going through the motions on Brig didn't get you anywhere. Um, so yeah, like it actually required skill to know how to use your cooldowns even though it was an overpowered character and how to like carry and you know use your ults um so yeah i think with the 222 roll lock it helped a lot in terms of roster building made it a lot more simpler mm -hmm. um i don't need to look at dps players that can play tanks i don't need right. to look at tank players that can play dps i don't need to look at flex supports that can play sombra you know um so it, it it's a lot easier in terms of it narrowed the scope of what a player is expected to do and mm -hmm. their role um, you still have guys that can play multiple roles, like I think, but I think the only person that really got put on multiple roles last year was Hydration, yeah. if I remember correctly. Rascal. That's well, yeah, technically. Mm, did they play Rascal? Did they play Rascal and Bap after two to two roll lock though? Oh, uh, that's a good question. I don't think. I don't. So. I don't believe they did. I do think yeah. Rascal was the best Baptiste for mm -hmm. a while, along like. Mm -hmm. His his Baptiste was crazy. He was like first one to like off angle like that, use window for himself as opposed to for the team, um, and get more value out of that. Um, so yeah, for sure. Like Rascal, big fan of his Baptiste play. Um, but I don't think he played two different roles after roll lock. Sure. Um, yeah. So I think maybe there's still room for that. Maybe I I'm a little dubious. I think it's easier just to have, hey, this is your best flex support player. Mm -hmm. And these heroes, this is your... Um, so I think if you look at our DPS lineup right now, um, I think we cover all the bases pretty well. BKB can flex on a lot of heroes. Side players are, you know, our sniper specialist star. Um, Yaki can, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a projectile flex. Um, mm -hmm. So that's kind of how I entered Season 3, building the rosters, making sure we have our bases covered at their roles. Um, and it made it easy. 2 2, two roll lock made it easier because they don't have to look at Hey, do they cover their roles plus some potential like wild card ones? Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that makes a ton of sense. Uh, Joe, is that also your runaway question? Um, no. 
but uh, you know, no, no. let's get through the juice. Give, yeah, we, we can. On. All right, we yeah. can we can move on to the, to the juicy bits. Yeah, that's that's that was Yiska's. I didn't have I did not have the cojones well, to then, be like, well, listen, <laughs> well then make we're gonna make Yiska ask it. That's hey, what we're gonna do. Enough. Sure, like yeah, okay, man. You guys are really scared of other people, aren't you? Okay. It's not that I'm scared, but I'm just like I don't want to put I don't want to put you know yeah in the position to be like well you know I don't know reports man well, I want your question okay. to be represented in the most intentional light possible. So sure. yeah, okay. So okay, let's let's get to it. So during the off season, of course, there's a lot of uh, rumors, a lot of reporting, a lot of leaking, mm-hmm. and you were connected to Runaway as a whole team. So as much as that is possible in terms of um, age restrictions age and what's not. Like, like, yeah. Of course, there's some restrictions, even though one has to say now, like, for instance, Mac could have possibly been signed, but uh, wasn't, at least at this point in time. So how much is to that rumor? And if, if that was actually true, and you ended up with uh, two people from Runaway, at least, mm-hmm. uh, what happened? Uh, so, 100% false on the whole Runaway roster. That was never going to be a thing. Um, mm-hmm. That was never something we were even considering. Because, um, you know, I'm confident in our tank line. Um, that's sure. like Fate, Gargoyle. I think Gargoyle has a ton of potential. Fate, veteran player. Um, he was top five in Season 1. Like, yes. I think undisputed yeah, top definitely. five main tank in Season 1. Um, and now it's 2-2-2 meta. Like, he'll be fine. Um, he didn't do too well in GOATS. A lot. I think most of the top five main tanks in season one didn't do on goats. Um, Interesting, right? Yeah. Like yeah. Je- you look I at gesture. I guess that there's a big out. shift. Yeah. Gesture, Fisher. Yeah. That's three of them. Um, and then mm-hmm. I think the other two. I can't. I can't think of another two off the top of my head. But Gamasu yeah. maybe. Mono. 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 Yeah. yeah. Mono is no, not, not, he he did okay, but yeah. definitely not to the degrees that he did, you know, in Apex and NYXL season one. So logic, no, the logic still stands. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's yeah, that's yeah. a really interesting insight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, not never in talks to sign the whole runaway roster. Um we were in talks to sign half. Um, so three. Um, but you know, we ended up with two off season craziness. Um yeah, but I'm happy with the two that we got. Uh, I'm not going to tell you who the third was. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. Yiska, Yiska just keeps saying, signings. damn it. <laughs> damn it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yaki and Gundam Jenner, nothing to, nothing to be ashamed of like that. Those are two very, very nice signings. Definitely exciting players to, to, to see Florida pick up and hopefully do well with. Mm-hmm. I've, ex- I've been excited. surprised with the lack of Yaki mentions when people talk about yeah. rookie of the year, like consideration. Definitely a candidate. Yeah, he is a candidate. I would say he's a little bit outside. The, the, the problem is I have this idea of almost internal timers of player careers. And Yaki has been, this kid's been grinding pretty forever. good at the game since Apex season two, basically. Yeah. So it's always like, Yaki, mm, who are you? Mm. Yeah. You know, these the, these uh, concerns, but yeah. I definitely agree. Like, for instance, <clears throat> when we, we had a show format with another podcast, ironically, with uh, Mineral from Boston, um, where we had to answer what kind of a uh, player we would choose to build a franchise around. Mm-hmm. And it, he we couldn't ex- like take him out for five years. And I initially actually had Yaki in that. 
Okay. Like I, yeah, I, I thought like yeah. it's it's uh it's likely. Then again, since then a bunch of DPS players suggested themselves as well, like Lister. Yeah. I think a lot of people had Lister in that list, for instance. Sure. But yeah, Yaki definitely insane, like on, on multiple heroes. Uh and also I'm not sure if he's like a hyper hyper flex like Libero is or Prophet is or um like these they're not that many. But yeah. he's 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 sort of close. He definitely has hit scan heroes, and he definitely has um, so top tier hit scan hero uh, hit scan and projectile. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not just not sure if he's above average on everything else like these two are. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, season yeah. will tell. I think people, including Spark, is a little weird because he's not. I don't think. I think he's. I think he's a really good player. I just don't think with half a season to be active for he's going to be able you know yeah. i don't i don't think anyone's going to win mvp off of half of season performance yeah, at least they shouldn't right by all <laughs> means also, i don't care how many flashy plays end up on reddit homeboy should not be getting you know marked over uh, somebody a rookie that's been playing all season and doing well yeah. right so yeah it's it's like we're playing a ga game of dice and this one you cannot only use this one dice for the second half of the game, while everyone else is allowed yeah. to use all their dice, and then this kid is also only good if it rolls a six or a five, yeah. meaning like Doomfist or Farah. Like I mean, I play, he, he, that's I played not too the much case. D &D, then... man, I'm like, oh, oh, <laughs> I've seen that. Oh. I think I think it's I think Sparko is more than two. Heroes. A little bit more, yeah. Um, yeah. But would you say so? Yeah. Would you agree with his uh, tendency to be aggressive? Let's say. Sparkles or yeah, yeah Sparkles always struck me as a player who's like always yeah, aggressive. Um, but I think it helps a lot that Rush is coaching that team because okay, he's put Sparkle in a position to succeed since 100%. Sparkle joined that team. Um, and I think cool. it's important to have a coach that can unlock that potential. Question is, a is it going to happen with the mixed roster, and b like is it going to be enough? Um, I think those are like the big questions for them. Mm. Um, and for us, Yaki just made like I was. Interested in Sparkle, I think every person, every GM totally. in, the in the league would be lying if they didn't look at Sparkle <laughs> and was like, "Hey, we pick him up." Um, mm -hmm. But for us, it made more sense um, for Yaki because we we don't have that backup flex DPS, right? So like, we don't have the luxury to wait for Yaki. I mean, sorry, excuse me, Sparkle to come of age. I mean, sure. Yaki's Yaki's ready to go. Um, and he's mm -hmm. he'll he'll be with us for the whole season and he's eligible. So, um, yeah, I'm very happy with the Yaki pickup. That was that was our position of most need as well. I think pretty obvious we needed a flex DPS. Yeah. So let's let's go let's go to the twenty twenty season a little bit. Let's talk about the future here. We've talked about the past, how we got here. But twenty twenty is a it's a different bird, if you will. Uh and expectations are, I mean, at least comparatively, much higher for the mayhem this season. Than they have been in season past seasons past. You, you've made some changes on the staff side. You've made some changes on the player side. You've you know signed two runaway players. Um, you know, is there anything else um, out there that you know you think should be considered when you know looking at the Florida Mayhem and finding that optimism? Um, I think the optimism probably most. We ended the season on a high note. Um, meta changed. It's two two two. Uh, difference this season is at least the parameters have changed. So like, yes, it might be a new meta, but it's still be a meta where you play two of each hero as opposed mm -hmm. to 
you know, like three, three or four, you know, there's more variations um, without the roll lock. Um, so I think there's more confidence going into the off season. And, you know, we had some, uh, we had some high points like gargoyle playing so well for us um, on multiple heroes. Uh, sorry, excuse me, mostly on roadhog in stage four. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to talk a little bit more about gargoyle. Like, I've seen people say like, oh yeah, but like he hasn't proven himself anything. Like this guy has played every single hero that's been asked of him, like from contenders like to now. And he hasn't like he hasn't let people down. He started off as Diva, then in GOATS, if you watch any of their games, he was playing the Zarya because he was their best Zarya player. He was doing really well in Zarya. And then when we got him, it was like, oh, now I have to play like Diva, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, now you have to play Hog. Like I had no I'd never seen him play Hog in contenders. Um he was one of the best hogs uh, in stage four, um, and a big part of why we won so many games. Uh, so yeah, I think Gargo's super strong, a lot of potential. Plus, going into the off season, like everyone knew it was going to be Sigma. Like nobody, none of the teams that didn't get playoff experience has any idea like how good their Sigma player is until hmm. it sure. happens. It's like why well, take a risk on someone else that you have no idea what their Sigma is. Sure. But I rather, I'd rather take place of like. I'd rather bet on the player that I've seen adapt, continually adapt, and add off tanks to his hero pool. Um, so yeah, and think it, and you know, I think his thing was great. So we'll see. Uh, but yeah, so I think tank line's fine. Um, people were, as I said, people were very low on fate last season just because goats. But as I said before, top most of the top five main tanks from season one didn't have a good goat season. Um, and now it's back to what they excelled at, which is in a two-two-two framework. That's um, that's the question. If that's the case, because yeah. I'm not yet so sure. I've also heard that other aforementioned names in that category are still not doing well. Yeah. So that's definitely a question. Sure. Like, we're we're not like we're not in a Winston meta as it looks right. like. Um, and that was Who? basically the crown, <laughs> the crown discipline of top five uh, of those top five tanks sure. in, in season run, right? So yeah. um, that's certainly a question mark for me. Like if if it is just generally, by the way, yeah, is star power how how long does it last, really? Right. right? Yeah. So totally, totally valid concern um, regarding like top five in general, but. Obviously, I have more experience with Fate since I watch him and I hear the comms. Uh, but like sure. for us, he's a leader, very instrumental in our comms and our comm structure and calling plays, leading the team. Um, so I think that in that aspect, I think that's more important. I think I agree. It's pretty hard to distinguish yourself on Arissa. It's just <laughs> yeah, nature of the hero. Um, so yeah, nice I mean, pull. yeah, it's how many pulls <laughs> do you have? It's like the pulls, like it's just not sexy playing like popping off on Arissa. Yeah. Um, even if they pop in the kill feed, it's like very sexy. Yeah. Oh, you mean um, like gameplay stats wise? Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> yeah. So fate, fate's an integral part of our team. Um, I think the only other val- like people are concerned about BQB. Um, I think you know we we literally played him in a role that he's not supposed to be playing last mm-hmm. year, just due to the nature of our roster and the limitations. Um, so I feel like that shouldn't be a knock on him. Um, and plus, he did fairly well when we had him play Hanzo in May um, towards the end of the season. Um, so I think he's expanded. He got a chance to expand his hero pool last year just because he was forced to play on uncomfortable heroes. Um, I think similar like Color Hex. Color Hex is not, you know, he didn't have a Widow before 
he was forced to play Widow just due to the circumstances, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people forget the roots or like are unaware of like what that player's main hero pool is, and they just focus on, hey, like what have you done for me lately, right? And I think for BKB, it's like he's I'm confident in his hit scan like flexibility. Plus, now he can add add on a few projectile heroes or you know what used to be flex DPS uh, heroes. Um, so yeah, I'm. I'm I'm high on BKB. Saya, I don't think anything needs to be said. I think he's yeah. the best sniper in the league, bar none. Um, me personally, uh, but yeah, sure, I, I wouldn't um, argue with you. <laughs> and then I think Flexport. I think everyone's pretty okay on. Um, now that we have two, you know, we have Ganem Jin, we have Byram. Um, I think we're set there. Chris, I get the I get the criticism. Here we go. Yeah, yeah, I get the criticism. <laughs> Chris yeah. is like, um, you know, he didn't look good in goats. Um, but I think. His calling's good, and his Baptiste is actually pretty decent, uh, or pretty good, actually. I like his Baptiste a lot. Um, in Stage 4, he played a lot of Baptiste. I think he was fine there. Um, and his calls, between that and his calls, um, I mean, he's not, like, the flashiest main support. Like, he's not Masa, like, no. while riding around, like, booping, like, going for X-Factor plays or um, or Moth, you know? But not, you know, there's very few main supports that can do all that. Um, and get away with it and also call at the same time. Like, I don't know how many of those players are calling at the same time. Sure. Um, you know, remains to be seen, uh, how Chris does, but I'm happy with, I'm happy with Chris and I'm happy with his synergy with fate. And I think that's important for team performance, like moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. and I like the core. I think it's important to have, especially moving to season three where everyone's on the road. I think it's going to be really important how, like your baseline synergy, your baseline energy with your core good day in and day out is going to be more important than because you're not going to be able to get as much practice as you could last year. Like oh, last year, you could have just, hey, we're going to do three days for like three weeks, you know, to like grind it back up. Now it's like, okay, you can do like three for one day, two days, and then you got to fly out. Um, yeah. So I think it's much, it's going to be, I think the load's going to be more on like coaching to be like, hey, Let's let's play our. I think it's a lot of it's going to be like, hey, make sure we play our game, rather than let's you know completely change what we're doing. Because um, I think it's going to be really hard to change what you're doing once the season gets underway with, you know, how hectic the schedule is this year. So I'm glad you brought up the schedule because I do want to talk about we had we've had Depay and packing. We're doing we're doing our Overwatch League uh, coach and GM tour. <laughs> Uh, it's, and, uh, we've got you here now. They've, they've discussed kind of how the teams plan on traveling and they kind of approach it a little bit differently. There's some, you know, some squads are like, you know, we're going to go 12. We're going to have 66. We're going to be able to scrim whenever we want. We're like having some people saying some people are staying, some people are going, uh, like, uh, how did the mayhem plan on approaching traveling and practicing in 2020? Um, I'm happy with our roster. Um, it's lean compared to some others. Um, but you know why? Like what? Okay, when you have twelve players, there's six players that are always going to be disappointed because um, sure. this is the fir- for most of them it's going to be their first time not being a starter for their team, and it has like very different effects on players when they're put in that situation. Um, they might think it's a great idea. Um, but most of them, like, if you talk to any player, they're like, oh, yeah, like, I'll get the spot over whoever. You know, every player thinks that they're going to get the spot. Mm-hmm. One of them's always going to be disappointed. So I think for 12-man rosters, you're going to have six people disappointed at any given point and have to deal with, like, 
six headaches essentially like trying to you know how do we integrate them in the roster like how do we keep them happy how do we keep them motivated um i think those are those are some issues that i I don't know i don't know how each team's going to be able to deal with that um but for me i think it makes more sense to have a tighter rotation like hey if this is the meta like we can play you because you're good at xyz um so they have like an actual tangible goal instead of like hey you are always competing with this person and if you get benched then they're like yeah because for once you get underway most teams are going to be focusing on team a that's just the nature of the beast right team focusing on team b doesn't win you any matches focusing on team a the one you're going to play on stage is the one that wins you games um so yeah and plus we don't travel much so we'll have much more and east coast is our division doesn't really go anywhere so we should be able to find plenty of scrims. Um, so I don't think getting 12 just for scrims for us made too much sense. Um, and yeah, we don't travel much. I don't have. I don't think we have any issues finding scrims. And the PPAs, uh, I don't know if you know anything about the specs, but they're insane. You're not going to get those specs anywhere at any lands that are probably in the world. Hmm. Um, it's just about the number of computers, but... Uh, I've kind of alleviated that by our coaches will have laptops, like gaming laptops, so they won't take up like a PC. Um, so our players should be able to play um, on the PPA PC. So the specs are like, I think they have to be like i9 9900Ks minimum with like 2080s and like 32 gigs of whatever RAM. So like crazy high specs, 240Hz monitors, like you're literally never going to find that at any land center. Um, but to supplement that, like as a caveat to that, I do have, depending on the city, we will have sometimes where if we're, you know, say first week we're in Philly, um, mm-hmm. for an extended period of time. So like, I think we should get there on Tuesday. Um, so f- probably like Philly and Paris, at least I'll have, I'll try to source like a, a supplementary landsetter area where they can practice besides just the four hour PPA time slot that you get. Um, mm. so yeah, that's kind of how I'm looking at it. So just to clarify for especially viewers, um, those PPA stations are the league-mandated uh, practice stations for the the players at the venues, or w- correct? What's, yeah, yeah, player yes. practice areas. That's the that's the acronym. Gotcha. Sorry. Okay, and can can you talk about like the n- amount of stations that? I th- sure. I think I- minimum is eight PCs. So bare minimum, so like. Eight PCs, um, so eight nine 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 k is whatever, and then I think additional seating for uh, coaches and staff, obviously. Yeah, but yeah minimum is eight. Have they mandated how many hours you will get access to those uh, at home stands? Uh, I think it's four hours a day, um, at least. So, but you know, I don't know what's gonna happen. Like maybe you get a time slot you don't want, um, perhaps. Yeah. But there's always gonna be at least one other team practicing at the same time um because there's two so minimum sure. two ppas so at any given at any given time slot unless for some reason the the team doesn't a team doesn't want that time slot and there's no one else in the other ppa um but yeah you normally you'll you'll have at least one practice partner or the option and most that's what people did at home stands they just practiced with whoever was at the ppa mm-hmm. with them at the same time yeah, that that will be interesting if if something develops there. Like, I I feel like <laughs> no shade here, but if if I'm the San Francisco Shock and I get the same PPA time as the Boston Uprising, maybe I'm tr- trying to get internal practice going instead and just get a ringer in for the 12th <laughs> spot. You know, 
Uh, well, Chuck did do that last year. They did a lot more internals. They like supplemented their. They didn't have a full twelve, but they supplemented it with ringers um, Oops, from right, contenders. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, interesting thing. I think you know teams with NA Academy teams. Easy script yeah. partner. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Unfortunately, we don't have an NA Academy team. Um. But you know, I th- I'm confident we'll figure out scrims. I don't think finding scrims is going to be an issue. Famous last words. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, there's, there's. We can also scrim other NA Academy teams. Definitely be our own. Yeah, sure. Um, to 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 yes point. You know, they are on the East Coast. They don't have to travel much. They're going to be very very much local to to scrimming. You know, some of the top yeah. NA uh, contenders teams. So you know, they're they've they, they've dodged the Chengdu yeah. bullet. Uh, I've but, heard but, that. You know, yeah. just getting Chengdu in your PPA. It's just like, all right, cool. I guess yeah, I'm playing okay. against Ball today. Very sweet. <laughs> yeah. So that's the one. I like the most surprise impressive thing about the. Chengdu saga last year was how well they did with the lack of practice because basically nobody in the league wanted to scrim them because they never yeah, played imagine. goats. Yeah, they never played goats and they're just gonna play off meta. It's like a waste of scrim block for most teams. So yeah, I'm surprised. Like, and, but they performed on. I don't know what kind of practice they ended up doing because <laughs> they were posing for scrims. I just see like empty blocks. Like we we were able to get scrims right, and we were the worst team. Sure. Um. So I don't know how, you know, I don't know what Chengdu did instead of scrimming. Maybe they stacked ranked. I'll, I'll never know. Um, I remember they, a screen, screenshot from, from one team to another just going like, guys, I actually got Chengdu to, to practice goats against us. And everyone's like, what? <laughs> how did uh, you do this masterwork? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. Uh, cool. So... Um, I, I think you kind of already at, at it. You you kind of address this a little bit, but we have to ask anyway. You did say you're very lean. You're coming up nine players confirmed signed going into the 2020 season. Uh, uh Depay was on uh, previously and discussed like you know we're sitting at ten and we're kind of looking at adding a couple during the season yeah. and just kind of leaving a little bit there. Is that why you stay slim? Is it more for like what you said before, like? How do you keep 12 players happy knowing that six right. of them are wanting to play and not, um, you know, can we, can we expect any signings before uh, the 2020 season starts or is it kind of a play by ear thing? Um, I don't think we're going to be signing anyone before it starts. Um, I think mid season, there's always a chance, but hopefully, you know, we do well enough where we don't with the players that we have that we don't need to sure. add any more players to the roster. Um, as I said before, like visa stuff. So us being full Korean, it's tough to add Korean players mid-season. Um, just do the visa stuff. Uh, doesn't make sense. We'll, there's no stages this year, but if there were, you know, th- we'd run into the same issue. Um, so I think if we do make any acquisitions, we'd have to do it via trade um, with another team in the league, or you know, if that Korean player has a P1 visa already. Yeah, like uh, for instance, Koma comes to mind. Or someone like him, right? They are, if, I'm not yeah. sure what the case is for uh, for Koma specifically, yeah. but there are teams that I think got some of their players two year P- P1s. Um, okay, so what happens with P1s is once you're no longer on an L team, it's like once your contract is ended, your P1s done. But the reapplication uh, thing is easier, I believe. I'm not 100% on this. I don't. That's what I'm, I base from, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. From my, from my experience, it's been pretty much the same process. Like, it's not okay. faster reapplying. Because, um, like, we, we got Kuki a P1, or P1S. 
um, and it took just as long as anyone else. Um, okay. And he's had two like two different P1s, you know. Like I, I mean, I would like it if the U.S. government was like, "Hey, oh, turns out this guy has been a terrorist like the last two years that he had a P1, so like you can come in." But I don't know. I don't. I don't control the P1 process. It just it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That's that's the <laughs> that's, that's the best way I've ever heard it put. You, I, think, I mean, it, yeah. you, it would be nice to just have yeah. like a, a a visa resume, just be like, look, I haven't done anything in these countries. I, you know, unfortunately had to leave because my job expired. But can we expedite this? Maybe uh, you know, fast track me. By the way, fun fact: uh, the German government government here actually now re fully recognizes yeah. um, esports visas. You oh. just got to make over 35k a year. You got to be signed to an organization that has significant infrastructure here, and you got to be over 16 years old. And then you get a can just get a visa fairly easily here. So, sorry, right. I'm, I'm I'm just give me one second. I'm ordering an Uber for someone that just someone these company. Someone's accounts? gone. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, someone's what? Do you get Do these have... company accounts? Yes, uh, we have a company. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I'm not. Can't imagine I'm not, doing I'm not it without. Yeah, <laughs> I've, I've heard. I've heard very fun stories about basically. I'm not sure who you're calling this for, but there are players. You can't. They can't do anything independently. Like literally, oh, yeah. sending them to 7-Eleven will result in disaster. Like, yeah, it's, I mean, it's insane. This is esports. They don't really go outside sometimes, and yeah, not as much life experience. Um, mm -hmm. I found so. Yeah, that's what I'm here for. I went to college. I had a you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, and so now I'm you're a father of nine players. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, I do have yeah. managers help me out. Helpfully, I have two man. I have two really good managers under me, so they help me a lot. Um, with you know, they speak Korean. Obviously, I don't speak Korean. Sure. Um, not yet. I should probably get on that. Uh, but. It's too hard. Yeah, not too worth it. Nah. <laughs> I have Google two managers under me that are, that, are, uh, that are there to help. So MDS and Swing Chip, and they assist me a lot with day-to-day -day stuff. That's actually a nice segue into generally talking about your staff. And of course, we're first and foremost uh, interested in uh, your head coach. Okay. And how that thing goes. And let's be honest, it's always really hard to A, judge staff. And then judge, judge, judge staff from Runaway specifically right. because mm -hmm. like the, the one or the biggest indicator you have that someone is a good coach is achievements or placements, right? Like, for instance, now we can say with decent, decent confidence, Krusty is a very good coach, right? Sure. Um, yeah. Now, of course, like Cookie didn't, has, doesn't have that history yet, given that he was a player. And of course, he also coached for one of the well-established organizations in Korea. We know, like that, there's a history of that organization doing well with whatever head coach they have. Right. And certainly, like people who know the internals know that the owner is also pretty hands-on generally. Right. So, um, what was the process like, and how did you end up deciding for? So I went to. Oh, how many coaches did I interview? One sec. Let me let me check my. Let me just pull up the sheets. Yeah, no, I think I I think I interviewed twenty plus coaches this off season. Mm -hmm. I interviewed so many coaches. Um, yeah, so I, for head coach, for assistant coach, um, the most important is finding head coach first. 
Um, so we kept Insight, just a segue uh, or caveat. We kept Insight because he was really good for us last season. He solo coached a lot. Um, but, you know, the players, we felt we needed more of a leadership figure at head coach. Um, and Insight's a great coach, um, but, you know, he's more he's more of a personal, like, one-on-one coach um, than, like, a being able to control. Like, it's it's definitely a skill to control nine, you know, a team, right? Nine players mm-hmm. are, you know, for us, nine players, up to 12 players plus staff and delegate tasks. Like, it takes a certain type of person to do that. Um, so, like, Insight's really good. So we kept on as assistant coach, and but we were going to search for a head coach. Um, so yeah, I interviewed so many, so many, so many coaches. Um, talked to different coaches. Talked to Nine K. Like he ended up going to Paris. Um, talked to Rush. He ended up going to Paris. Talked to. Uh, honestly, you name like the free agent Korean Aid. coach. I pro- <laughs> I probably I probably talked to him. Well, Aid was part of the Nine K package. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. They were like a little posse. <laughs> yeah. So he had some of those, um, some duos and stuff like that and that wanted to work together. Um, so yeah, I mean, most importantly, uh, you know, I looked at what we needed. It's like, okay, we need a flex DPS. Okay, like Kuki got recommended um, by players on our team, our current team. Um, and then plus I talked to like Yaki and Ganjin and they wanted to go where Kuki went. Um, so that was a big part of uh, mm. or like an added bonus um, to signing Kuki is like being able to, you know, have a leg up on the competition in terms of getting Yaki and Gotham Jim, which is very important when it comes to off season, when you're going after some of the top players and Korean contenders that can go anywhere because there's no draft. Right. So like the rich can always get richer and it's like, we are the worst team, you know, like we need, we need uh, additional firepower to um, convince players to come. Uh, And they wanted a full Korean team, which there's not, too many full Korean teams out there um, that aren't already like stacked to the gills with talent, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, Kuki, he doesn't have too much head coach experience, but like he's 28. Like he's so for Koreans, like age is fairly important in terms of like level of respect. And like if they're older than all the players, then they, you know, they, they have a level of respect just naturally from their age. Oh, it's part of the culture. And plus he's, He's been through the army, so like we don't have to worry about losing him to like oh, yeah. military service. He's done the army thing. He's a former pro player, which I think is important. Um, and yeah, I I went to Korea, watched his like presence in the booth. I talked to Runner about him, talked to different players about Kuki, talked to Kuki himself. Uh, and you know he's also bilingual. Like that's yeah. really important for us because um, our owners, you know, uh, my bosses are. You know, I'm not. I'm not bilingual. I don't speak Korean. My bosses don't speak Korean. I want to think it's important to have someone that can bridge that gap. Um, even though we mm-hmm. have translators, it's like I can, if he wasn't bilingual, I wouldn't be able to just like talk to him in a room like, hey, you know, what's up? Like have it more casual, sure. just talk. Uh, so I'm able to communicate with him super easily because he speaks basically fluent English. Um, he likes to say his English isn't great, but like his English is perfect. I think the first few times we talked, we had a translator and I was like, he's, they're literally not translating because you're just responding to what mm-hmm. I'm saying. Um, so yeah, uh, happy to have Kuki. Um, interviewed tons of tons of potential head coaches. Um, but yeah, in terms, he just worked out really well for us. Bilingual, good coach, good recommendations. Um, helped helped us get players that we needed. Um, so yeah, arguably one of the most important pickups, um, if not the most important pickup for us this offseason. Also, like of course. 
a great storyline in terms of the revenge of Cookie. Just yes. like he just came in and goes like, "You been, I got benched for you on the Valiant. I yeah. had to play main support. <laughs> no, I can't bench you. Don't pull anything <laughs> with me, kid." Like, no, uh, he's actually on the roster, so he'll be, you know, he'll be on, he'll be our main tank for. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, uh, they actually have a really good relationship. Um, fate. Fate was one of the players that recommended him. Um, he likes working with Kuki and yeah, so you know, no friction there. Hmm. Nice, it's good, it's good. I mean, and... I, I am interested to see how he how he handles you know travel in general. I think is uh, understated um, and, and how it affects teams. So it'll it'll yeah. be interesting to see. Uh, I have a fairly young coach, not a young person in the scene, but a young sure. coach uh, handle putting out all these fires. I think that's going to be a big test, and you know, uh, leave him to the wolves. And if he comes out, you know what, he he might come out and, and surprise a lot of people. So. I Personally, I think the travel is mostly on myself and the managers in terms of making sure they're comfortable. Like, there's sure. not crazy stuff they have to do to get to practice. Um, there's an, there's enough there's enough work just being a coach. Totally. Uh, in and of itself. Um, <laughs> so. But I mean, let, let's face it. You know, you've got you have, you have players that have spent you know uh, you know the last three two years, depending on how long they've been you know in the professional space yeah. um, playing in a, in a four by four for, you know, six to eight hours upwards of maybe 10 yeah. hours a day. And now you're asked them to practice less. They feel probably a whole lot worse about their gameplay. And we have to, the stress of travel, which of course, like you guys are yeah. covering, but that's still very stressful. I, just traveling. Honestly, I think probably the biggest thing to performance mm -hmm. in terms of overall, like record is going to be health. Sure. Um, like player health. I think that's probably the number one, like biggest variance going into next year it's like how are these because i think gamers yeah, we got vitamin, much, pretty, vitamin yeah, regiments yeah gamers pretty much have the worst immune system <laughs> i found um like they always just like oh i have the plague it's like you went outside for like two days right how did you, how did you come back with the bubonic oh, plague like i don't sunburn. understand like right <laughs> so like i i haven't I, i'm concerned when they go like because the home center is gonna be very convention like yes uh, in terms of Mm -hmm. The type of people there, like the type of environment they're in, we've got right, and then there's right, and there's stress, and then they're playing like yeah. everyone wears the same headsets, like yeah, you know, I don't know. It takes <laughs> all it takes is one person to go on stage, start coughing, and then it's over. Yeah, for, like, it seemed like weekend. all last year it was like, yeah, Jake's sick, everybody's sick, this guy's right. sick, we're all sick, great, yeah. beautiful, you know. So, like that's that's like it. my number one thing that I'm trying to prepare for going to travel okay. is like making sure we're stocked on like the vitamin C, like the emergency, the. <laughs> you know, the vitamins, like making sure that they're actually, they can be on stage. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, the rest of that is on them right. to perform. But yeah, taking care of their bodies is going to be like a number one priority for next season. That's that's the big brain move. We just, you need an on-hand doctor. You just need to, you know, Florida Mayhem coming in hot. We have a, a PhD student to uh, yeah. take care of our players, you know, on hand. Sidewalk. Mess, you know, we don't need the cooks. We don't need, you know, managers. Yeah, we need them. But you know what? Doctors is the new frontier. Just saying. Yeah. I mean, okay, also. Joe. And Joe, the... want, Joe just wants his own doctor. Doesn't want to leave I want my own doctor. Just on, like, hey, I got yeah, this rash. The next team manager position, I'll be, you have to be a, have to be a doctor. <laughs> do, you have your, do you have your medical degree and are you willing to take are you like a nurse? 30% yeah, of only, what you can make getting a residency at a hospital? Yeah, we're exactly. only taking, we're only taking doctors in 2021. Uh, the, the other thing, um, and not to 
to uh, destroy the mood here, even though it probably will. Um, the the other thing, of course, is also mental health, and sure, um, especially like last season, I heard some nigh horror stories of uh, general, not just place, by the way. I think that's an undervalued uh, sure. thing that yeah. staff also definitely suffers from the stress, from the long hours, like. Just like people going like, can I please only work 90 hours, please? Not 105 or so, <laughs> yeah. something like that, yeah, right? So um, is is there anything in, in plan to to look out for the mental health as well? Because, okay, on, on one hand, one thing, and I definitely sympathize with this as well, is, um, and more so when you have hybrid rosters, if you yeah. get a performance coach or if you get even a psychologist in, you, it's probably more efficient to have one that speaks the language of the players. Sure. So for a hybrid roster, that's a problem. Totally. Yeah. For you guys, that's that's more also manageable. Even though <laughs> finding a Korean-speaking yeah. person in an NA is probably also yeah. a challenge. Have you done any considerations in that regard? So actually, Ben's wife is a psychologist oh. um, by mm. trade, and she will be. I don't know what exactly their office hours are going to be, um, but she will be available um, to talk to players, staff, you know, whoever, whoever in the company really needs, you know, needs to talk, like vent or, you know, need some counseling. Um, mm -hmm. She's going to be available. Uh, I think it's probably going to be mostly on how comfortable our players are with the managers. Like, you know, if you're comfortable with the manager, you probably don't mind them being in. Um, you probably vented them already. So sure. just having them in a room with a psychologist is, you know, just a little step above that. Um, mm -hmm. Not too far removed from just venting to your manager. You just have a licensed health professional there in the room as well. Um, so yeah, I think definitely an option. Um, Remains to be seen, like how you know how often we'll need to use demand, it. Or, yeah. Right? Yeah, demand and because I think Koreans, like I don't want to generalize, but I think generally they they kind of. I am gonna generalize. <laughs> they they're they're grinders. I think most of them are yeah. heavy, heavy grinders, and they kind of almost see it as a weakness if like they lose the motivation to grind hard, because um, mm. that's how they got out of that region, right? Like Korea is like super competitive. Like every player is spending crazy amounts of hours, um, and then I think for a lot of them, they feel like if they let up even a little bit, like someone else is just gonna take their spot the next day. Um, and there's a lot of I think there's a lot of pride in you know being that grinding, that grind mentality um, for Koreans at least. So yeah, it'll be interesting, um, but we do have we do have a psychologist on site um, if need be. That's great. Very cool. That, that's also, by the way, a thing where um, there were some offers around the league. Like, for instance, I, I remember that someone told me that Blizzard had like a, a workshop to deal with stress. Yeah. And they didn't even fill up like a 15-person uh, workshop just because everyone's too busy busy yeah. or of course like there's a barrier to taking those yeah uh, type of things right it's you can only it's, offer i mean i also think it's kind of a weird setting if you're just like hey now if you're there then you yet interact with all the other yeah. coworkers that mm. now know you're stressed and it's like you know it's kind of a weird mm. situation instead sure. of being like private Use it as a competitive advantage. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a, a stressy boy. Yeah. It's like, I'm not even stressed. We're, I'm just here to figure shirts. out. Yeah. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm just, I was paid to be here. Like, I, I'm not stressed. Are you stressed? I'm, yeah, I'm perfectly fine. 
was that yes. not with uh the 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 big streamer mental health professional that just uh i think he, dr kenosha dr k isn't he was he not the the guy who did the 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 whole seminar at the overwatch league i want to say that he was, was he? i think I want to say be actually so. about quite interesting. He, he I did. Uh, I, I believe he did an interview with uh, Jane and yeah. it was kind of brought up and it was intimated that he was, but don't know I, if he was. Seems I, very good. I've I found some use in, in his content. Definitely go check I, him out if you need if it. If I remember correctly, that seminar was mid season two, right? Yes, I believe it was. So, yeah. Nobody's going to go mid season yes. to like Blizzard Arena <laughs> just for a special <laughs> seminar on, you know, like they're too busy stressing out practicing, yeah. you know, trying yeah. to win games. Um, I think the time for <laughs> that is like before season right or right, during like, like a, a mid season break or something. Right. Mm. Sure. Yeah. I think just the timing of it was a bit off as well. For sure. Um, maybe yeah. staff showed up, but even then it's like, Players are like, hey, where's my coach? Like, oh, he's at this seminar for like stress. And then the players are like, oh, he's no. Stressed. He's yeah. he's stressed. <laughs> the players are like, oh, like we're screwed. Like, he's yeah. stressed out. Like, I'm stressed out now. Like, <laughs> the world's yeah, burning. I, I think for everyone, um, like the way I work is I work, I like, I sprint, I sprint to the end of sure. things. Um, so, like, that's what I view Owl as. Like, you have a nice, well, now that I'm Jim, I actually don't really have an off season because the off season is like when mm-hmm. I have season. When I, that's my season to <laughs> yeah. do the most that I have to do the most work for. Um so actually I take that back. But yeah, like, <laughs> I, guess I, just, I guess I've just been sprinting for two years and I I don't know what walking looks like anymore. So that's fair. Yeah, I mean I'm I, I don't know. I, I'm I think it takes a certain type of person um to be in the industry and um I think for some people, you know, they need to take breaks more than more than others. And I don't think that's sure. necessarily a bad thing. Um but for me I kind of, I guess I haven't really taken a break, um, but I kind of like it this way. Uh, a lot of people are built for that. Like that's yeah. that's totally yeah. okay, and that's okay for there to be professions and industries where you have to grind to be successful, yeah. and like that's that's okay. It's yeah. <laughs> so like okay, so I'll give you an example. Like our runaway, like most of the players have a big off season break. Like mm-hmm. a, they basically have mm-hmm. a summer break um, to recharge their batteries and get ready for the next season. Um, I feel for our runaway players because they didn't have a break. Oh. Mm-hmm. They went from like playing in all those cups, like, and then they did the showdown. Then they went to net ease, and then after that, they got signed. And then it's like, then they had to practice again. Like, I think they got month, maybe probably less than a month actually. Um, and that whole time, they're also like negotiating, like you know, trying to figure out where they're gonna be next year. Um, so I feel for them. Um, but you know, they've been. I think contenders has also been a pretty grindy place historically. Yeah. Um, so hopefully, you know, they'll get a nice long break by the end of the season. Um, but for now, it's uh, it's on. It's, yeah, it's I mean, we're we're, we're a month, uh, season starts in a month, so yeah, we're no, close. No time for breaks now. So yeah. with with the season starting in the month, we started doing our power rankings, where we kind of go usually five teams at a time, and uh, there's a there's an elephant in the room, and his name is Joe. And yeah, there's uh, usually. Joe, so Joe, Joe is a mayhem skeptic this year. I am. And, okay. uh, I, I don't think I, I would say that he's not a majority, but he's not alone in the fact that there are a lot of people who go, all right, mayhem, you got to prove it to me. So yeah. uh, where, where do you uh, like, what, what are the goals for the 2020 season? Um, you know, I, I think just kind of ethereally, but also just like in concrete, like this is where we want to finish. This is where we sure. think our team can finish. Well, I think it's one of 
many. I think it's still pretty hipster to be a fan of Mayhem other than for the colors at the moment. <laughs> Very oh, yeah, sure. great, great. Congratulations, <laughs> by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Looks great. I'm yeah. sure we have a ton of, like, hey, I'll buy a Mayhem skin, but it's like, but I don't think they're going to win. <laughs> so, mm. so um, yeah, I think uh, placement-wise, I'll be happy with 12th. Like, I think planes is a reasonable goal um, for us to make. I think that's a good baseline goal to achieve um, and to you know, strive for um, what we do past uh, past being in plans. Like that's up to the team. Um, but for me, when I built this team and I looked at all the rosters, like I expect us, and I you know think we have a very good shot at making playoffs. Um, I think going from my goal is to be the most improved team, and I think going from bottom of the league to making playoffs is you know a reasonable huge. and and Definitely. huge yeah achievable goal while also you know being a, a very big change right um, no one's talking like, about I, shanghai as own 40 right. anymore after last season correct right? yeah mm -hmm. I, i'm not like and i'm I'm not the type of person to overhype something so i'm like hey we're we're gonna, we're insane we're gonna win it all we're top five you know i'm not that type of person um could we mm -hmm. be there sure but like it's a long season i don't know how many meta changes we're gonna have this year totally. um mm -hmm. super hard to predict gamble, yeah um, so I think anyone making predictions on like who's gonna win is crazy. Um, yeah. I think Chuck's the favorite, obviously. As with yeah. any league, it's like, oh, you won it last year, like you're gonna win it. You know, you have the highest chance to win it this year. Yeah. Um, eh, Spitfire, that was probably wrong. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot of us put season. London top two. Yeah. yeah. I, I think okay. I think the way Spitfire won, won it all. There were like already red, or like kind of like red flags in terms of like how high yeah. you could be on them. Um, but the way Shock had won, I think there's like no doubts yes. that yes. they were. Yeah, like, it they was just, a much more consistent. They just like the only times they had a little like uh, was like for, first stage when they're figuring out between like their four DPS players, yeah. like their four incredible DPS players, like who's gonna start for us in goats. Mm -hmm. It's like they finally when they finally put Rascal on Brig, they're like, oh, now we, they, we got then, it. We found it. They just, then they just started rolling, right? So. Um, and they just rolled through the season. Meta change didn't matter. Playoffs meta change didn't matter. Like they, they were just they're on top. I think of I think maybe they were a little slow to to the playoff meta, and they could yeah. have maybe prepared for that mm -hmm. a little bit better and just clean 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 swept everything. Um, and that Atlanta game I think really showed a lot. <laughs> but once they got their bearings about them, yeah. it was it was off. I mean that Atlanta so. game they won. They just threw it. Like that was, <laughs> they, that they not, yeah, like they definitely should have won that. Um, sure. won that last fight. Um, yep. I think, I think you should give every, like every. They weren't perfect, but I think they're no, as no, close, no. they were as close to perfect and definitely yes. the most dominant team as you 100%. know anyone could expect. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. By besides when Shanghai, besides when Shanghai pulled out their, you know, Crazy their stage three, yeah. playoff thing. So yeah. I think that if anything, that's the one mortal thing that we can consider about the shock is that they are sometimes a little late to the meta and they aren't as dom dominant as we know them to be where yeah. they just don't drop a map. And maybe it's also on Krusty because he said the same thing, I think, if I recall correctly, about him coaching South Korea, especially in the Bastion comps. Yeah. He was like, okay, uh, like I'm not up to snuff yet. Uh, on, on that specific thing, which is hilarious because team, of course, utilize that as well, but I, sometimes I, teams coach themselves in certain regards as well. Sure. I want to say for the World Cup teams, it's more, I think, the bigger impact is like how well the players collectively understand the meta than sure. like per se the coach, because like 
most players have like deep ingrained like habits based on like mm-hmm. how who they played with, how they played, who was coaching them. Um, that I think yeah, I think coaching is coaching World Cup is like such a hard position to be in because like you lose, it's you know apparently it's your fault, and you know you win, it's like you know you it's like oh the players you know the players won that players carried you obviously right like... exactly so I think it's a double edged sword. Um, yeah. I I definitely feel for any coach any player in like World Cup because. I think there's more. Honestly, I think there's like more negatives than positives, and because there's only one winner, right? Someone's gonna be disappointed if you're Korean, yeah. you don't win, like which is what happened. It's like yeah. all, Korea's like, why well, you guys are all garbage now? Like you know, like <laughs> don't come home. And you know what? Greater yeah. than Korea. Yeah, yeah. It's like Krusty's the best coach, but he can't. You know, he can't beat like Aaron, <laughs> like the U.S. Yeah. You know, it's. It, I don't know. I feel for them a lot. Um, ultimately, like World Cups for fun, but yep. yeah, sure. If you're ever a player or a coach, like. You don't view it as that. Um, mm-hmm. And most of the most people looking at results are like definitive. Like U.S. is the best country now. Like that's you know full stop. Like that's it. No, you know, right. ignore the ignore the like the legion of talent that Korea has. But you know, USA is on top. Um. So yeah, I couldn't agree more with what you said. <laughs> that's, <laughs> I knew what you that's what you said. I'm gonna clip that out of context. Not bashed patriot. Such true words. Yeah, I'm gonna clip America. it out of context. <laughs> And then I'm going to go farm that Reddit karma right now. Yeah. No, I mean, but you're right though, right? Like there's, and World Cup, I think has a lot of value in just like introducing us like uh, to a lot of people is like an introduction of Gushwe, right? Where, yeah. you know, we watched him through contenders and we're like, yep, this guy's all it. But it wasn't until we saw him and, you know, World Cup where it was like, oh, everybody else now thinks that Joe is just, isn't this. Yeah. The crazy dude who walks around in his uh, like China flag underpants, yeah. <laughs> like no shirt, just like Gooseway is gonna but, do it, brushing his teeth in the mirror. And, yeah. yeah. So L- listen about the World Cup format. I actually I'd prefer it if okay either I th- if you do it every year, I think you need to have like owl players and owl coaches excluded, sure. and use it as a to t- identify Farm talent. Around. I'd yeah. much prefer that. Um, mm-hmm. if you want to have like like the Olympics where it's like oh this is the best every of the best like yeah. don't have it every year like it is so give the players a break like give the coaches a break you know I think it's it's a tough position to put players in if you're telling them like hey we want you to represent our country it's like well I just like finished a grueling owl season it's like or do, but I want to represent yeah. my country and then it's like right. I think at the end of the day if they didn't have to make the decision if it was just like oh well I can't play in the World Cup anyways because I'm an owl player like it, it doesn't really benefit out players. It benefits who benefits from World Cup is exactly the, contenders. Two, are, three. Yeah, are the amateurs are the players that haven't made it yet. Um, and that's like some of the biggest storylines. Like, oh, this like unknown person like just stomped on, uh, you know, whatever country. Yeah. So and like, I, I'd much prefer that. Yeah. I totally. I agree, and it's something I think I said when the first, and this is back when I did a totally different podcast. Is just like. I don't the 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 downside of not having owl talent is that how many people are going to tune in for non owl talent if totally. they don't see the the you know sure. the the jakes with the yeah. USA flags and stuff if you don't get those pictures yeah. how important is it but at the same time and I've yeah. been very much of the thing that's like I know it's not going to be as competitive anyway yeah. I'm already cheering for my flag anyway and I'm going to tune in for those team USA matches pretty much even if even if Joe plays I'm like I'm tuning in and sorry Joe maybe not maybe not, so, maybe, not. Okay. You know, maybe maybe pick a different flag you know yeah uh but well, you know it's it's uh 
there's still that aspect there, but I, I get why it's it's lost. But I still think, totally. yeah, like I, well, I don't think it makes a lot of sense. Well, also the World Cup tri- like trials, the process, like you have to trial for your World Cup team if your your country has trials. You have to scrim like that starts to affect if you're a player that's in between teams or is looking for teams in the off season. That af- that affects your schedule. You then have to make a decision like, oh, do I, you know, do I de- do I have someone ring for me for the USA scrim or do I have you know do I do this trial? You know, you have to make tough decisions. Um, and I think that's I mean, XQC really wasn't even yeah. there for half the matches for Team Canada. No, he's got to yeah, do XQC, you know, media yeah, obligations and stuff. XQC had a streamer obligation for Blizzard, Ooh, and they man. had to put. Did they play Mangachu's main or yeah, something yeah, like Mangachu, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. like stuff like that. I, I think, I, I think it's a valid point if you're just like, okay, we do want it to be World Cup to be the best of the best. Fine, like make it every two years, make it like yeah. not. I, yeah. I think what Draw you're gonna, I think what you're continue to see is for teams like so. I think USA, like they had a gr- they had an axe to grind, right? They were like, we we think we're the best right now. We're gonna field like our absolute A team and you know try as hard as we can to finally win like a gold medal. I think for most other teams, you're going to start to see our players as like, depending on how, how many years they've been in the league, they're going to slowly start to be like, no, nah, I'd rather like take the rest or like, no, nah, thanks. Like I've made the team, but like, I'm going to decline and give it to someone else. Um, I think yeah. that's my prediction for how it's going to continue to go. If you have it every single year, um, it's just naturally, you're going to have, you know, it, it went, it's going to go from like top of out to like slowly, like make its way down. Um, as more sure. players just realize you know, it's not worth the headache, like having fans being mad at me. Like no one's gonna be mad at you if you declined, but everyone's gonna be mad at you if you like, right. Everyone's gonna be mad at you if you lost the game um, on stage. Yep. That's a good point. You you can direct that practice into, you know, trialing for owl teams, trialing for, you know, uh, a promotion and contenders to an academy team, you know, moving into another role, this, that, the other thing. And, and Blizzard can use that, that those resources elsewhere. If you're not going to do world cup every single year, give maybe maybe put on another contenders land you know give these experience to the next generation of talent and and you know get these players out there and and give them the experience that they would get on in the overwatch league you know what i'm saying like that's the most important thing you could give somebody is like real world applicable experience that's playing online playing at home that's 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 as good as it's gonna well yeah. not as good as it's gonna get but like lands are so like important yeah. that i mean i don't think the- people talk about <clears throat> On the talent side, they already use World Cup as like a platform to try out like new yeah. formats, new pairings. Um, so it's like you know if you're already using it to develop your on-screen talent, like why not yeah. use it for the players? Um, Definitely. Yeah. I mean, you're you're a, a GM now of a full Korean team, right? So yeah. we we can talk a little bit about like interesting prospects, let's say from other regions from sure. the World Cup. Yeah. And like players that you thought really were like outstanding talent that one should look at notice you can if you know that they're very toxic you can now really hype them so other teams pick them up and play basically plant a bomb in the other <laughs> camp so um i mean this probably hurts me but i i don't know i'd say leaf um he's french leaf, and mm. paris needs a backup i don't know i think yeah, that makes, makes sense um he's a bit older uh i don't know about his comms or his attitude or anything or maybe his beef sure. with former like players on the team i have Fresh no idea yeah. um to yeah. me like leaf looks like he's a, he, he'd be a good like if not for paris like i don't know I, I, i'd have to think of rosters i'd 
Valiant definitely f- f- yeah. with a lack of, I think, Do- Doomfist specialists. Yeah. Doomfist. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't remember KSF's Doomfist actually. I can't remember mm. if it was good or not. Mm. I, I just don't remember yeah. footage of him playing sure. Doomfist. Yeah. yeah mm. Not sure. I don't know. Um, yeah, I think Leaf is the one that comes off the top of my head. Um, other players, I mean, we knew. Leave didn't get to show show up for China, unfortunately. I was really Zilly? excited to see him play. Yeah, leave. Yeah. Leave. I like you more um, and more, Albert. I like you more and more. Uh, you're, you're, you're selling me. They're you're cl- selling they're me. They're climbing oh, on no. up see, the power see, ranking. Okay, All you I have think, to do is I, just chill for China. I, I, I think the I think the thing people don't Oh, this leave. I'm dumb. Don't yeah. <laughs> okay. Don't don't remember is I like Mayhem Academy was mostly like Western European yeah. mix. Like I I've watched all other regions. Um, it's not just, you know, oh, Korean's like, I'm not just a diehard Korean fan. Like, watch other regions. I watch sure. Tier 3. I keep up with the scene. Um, I think it was, I was very disappointed, actually, when we won Tier, like, the Open Division. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad we got knocked out and didn't actually qualify for contenders, because that would have been very embarrassing. <laughs> um, but seriously, like, a team with no, like, I think right now, people are upset about, like, the X Tier 1, like, Open Division team. Sure. That they're like, oh, like they're just gonna come in and, like smash people. It's like if they do, like that's well, bad. Really like they yeah. shouldn't, they shouldn't be winning. They're not gonna scrim. Like you look at all those players on the team. Most of them are probably like scrimming. I'm not scrimming, streaming, yeah. or like have other obligations. Like this is just like, oh hey, we have nothing else to do, so let's like play open division and pug it out. Like that's what I did with, you know, my like friends, my ex teammates and stuff like that. So if we can do that and win, like that's that's just that says more about the talent level of open division than anything mm-hmm. else um because yeah in any other you shouldn't you shouldn't be afraid of that and on top of that it's good practice you're not gonna Definitely. when else are you gonna be able to play against former tier one players um they're gifting free practice right there yeah totally uh I, to, to go back to world cup for a moment uh, sure. i i think we'd be remiss to not mention visibility you know solid talent that could be fit uh, yeah. into quite a few teams I um think. I I don't think I'm as hot on Visility, but I have prior experiences with him. Um, okay. Yeah, we actually back when I traveled him back when we built NRG. Ah. Um. So yeah, I've I've known about Visility for a while. Um. If you were, I know World Cup. You were talking about like Fisher Visility. Yeah. Um. I personally am pretty high on KSP. Um, sure. I've been watching KSP Definitely. for a while. I think he's basically the next coming of Shax, but he's. I agree. British. <laughs> yeah, but he's British. Um. So. Yeah, I'm excited about KSP. I think right now that's probably the top two, like at PS, yeah. KSP, and Leaf, I'd say from the European region that I'd be like, if I were building a European team, I'd look into. Not saying I'd necessarily sign them, but um, definitely top prospects for me. Um, and I, you know, I put Fisher and Visility up there in like tier of same tier, but I'd put sure. KSP and uh, Leaf over them for now. Yeah. Uh, sure. Totally. We, we need to wrap up here for a second. Uh, Avast okay. did hop in uh, to the chat and ask, uh, can we ask Albert why he's so smelly? And it's because he doesn't hang dry his clothes. Yeah, it's not because I don't hang dry my clothes and it's pretty hot in my office right now. I haven't had a chance to reset the thermostat. Um, yeah, so sorry, Avast. Uh, yeah, I guess there he has smell vision It's 2020. <laughs> um, and now. then, so the other thing we always ask anybody who comes on representing a team is, there's a lot of mayhem fans um, out there. Uh, do you have a message for them? Uh, anything you want to say to them going into the 2020 season? 
Yeah. Um, I mean, appreciate everyone that's been on board since day one. I know, you know, a lot of identity shifts, changing the team, changing like, you know, personalities. Um, but I think in terms of competitive standing, I think this is the most competitive team Mayhem's ever fielded. Um, we've got new colors, like we're in a we're in a good position. Um to hopefully turn this franchise around, turn the team around. Um, you know, and I'm happy you're still on board. If you're new because of the colors, you know, I welcome you too. Buy our skins when they come out. Um <laughs> Yeah, that's that's about it. Sweet. Maybe we'll have a runaway esque crew neck. Hopefully we can get that happening. Um and capitalize on, on our colors and yeah. you know, the, yeah. Yeah. I'd buy that. I'd buy I miss it. out on the first edition of the grandma sweater, so if Mayhem comes out with uh, edition <laughs> two. I, I still have one of those OGs. Do you they really? Don't make, they don't oh. make them anymore? Uh, I'd, I'd have to look. I'd have to like get in touch with somebody and to see. But mm. I know, was there a website? I don't remember. It's been so long ago. Listen, move, me, move us up a few. I'll talk to Kuki and see. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Get in, get in sweet with Runner. All now, right. Now we get it. Yeah. Now, now it comes out. Um, cool. Uh, so, <laughs> Albert, uh, then just for anything like shout outs, where people can find you, like let's dumpster all that stuff of, or dump, not really dumpster. Dumpster. Dump. Dump all that stuff in here uh, so people can follow you throughout the uh, 2020 season. Yeah, um, so my socials is, yeah, with three H's. Um, that's about it. I have a Twitter. Um, Instagram account's still, you know, in the works. I'll let you guys know when <laughs> I think there's enough content to warrant plugging it. But at this time, you just, you know, mostly Twitter. Um, and then I don't stream, but maybe I stream. We'll see. Also, same, yeah, with three H's. Um, I've been thinking about doing a podcast maybe of like how to get into the industry or like industry advice for like people just trying yeah. to get in. Um, yeah. cause that's where I came from. Um, that's like close to my heart in terms of like how to get, how to break in and how to like succeed. That's great. Um, Step one. Don't. <laughs> don't have a, don't have mental breakdowns on Twitter. Um, post yeah. weird stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. so yeah, other than that, you know, Jeez. yeah. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Uh, well, let's go ahead and close out then. Uh, Yiska, uh, give us give us the what's the who's it's on Patreon right now. Okay, let's see. Oh, I should start a page. That's a good idea. <sighs> Jesus there Christ. Yeah, I didn't even. Oh, man. <laughs> you troll me, Joe. <laughs> okay. So the new patrons, Derek H, Louis K, not to be, uh, you know, uh, mistaken for the. Unfunny Louis comedian. Louis C.K. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Rex Z. Josh S. Why, why do you make me read this? Yiska's proud mom. <laughs> Thanks, mom. <laughs> nice. That's great. We love that. Mom, if you're watching, thanks. Um, <laughs> Ice Temp Jello. And then up pledges from Bo P. And Jem Jensen M.W. Thank you yeah. for the support. So thank you to those who upped your pledges and a big thank you to all the new patrons. Um, we're really close. We might have actually passed the $250 goal. I'm not totally sure, but we'll know oh. next, uh, next episode, next episode uh, for sure. <laughs> where I, I believe unless we get another guest, um, I believe we're going to go back into our power rankings. Uh, that's patreon.com slash tactical crouch. If you want to support the show, uh, we're going to have a, uh, a, a game night coming up really soon. So, um, you know, be come, on the lookout. 
that's gonna be uh, a ton of fun. Um, then five, no new five star iTunes reviews, but that's a great free way to support the show. Uh, so if you like the show and want to want to support it in a non monetary way, that's a great way to do it. Otherwise, subscribe here at uh, twitch.tv slash kicktripod. That also goes to directly support the show. We thank you for that. Uh, Yiska, shout outs for the week. Where can people find you really quick? As always, uh, Twitter, Yiska out. Uh, we'll write some stuff for GG Intel. Um, and that's about it. Sweet. Uh, Joe, as for you, uh, find me on Twitter, Volmel, and all the social medias on same platform and same name. Uh, I'm doing some uh, seating tournament review and scouting uh starting with china and we'll be getting into a little bit of the mayhem classic and uh na when it comes in a few days so check out that a few interviews coming and that's about it sweet uh as for me you can find me everywhere at kick tripod you'll notice that we don't have the background music playing that's because i just don't want it to get copyright striked so uh that's why it sounds so empty at the end but uh, find me everywhere at kick tripod and uh we will be back next week with another episode of Tactical Crouch. Yiska, play our outro music, please. Oh, my God. <laughs> fade us out. Fade us out. <laughs> we're, fa- we're, f- we're faded, that's for sure. <laughs> oh. All right, and clear.